Why don't you go ahead and be seated? Jack, I don't know. <laughs> I do know. <laughs> I do know. Yeah. You know, we've had, obviously, when Jack says 46 years, I'm thinking it can't be that long, but it is. And they've been great years. They've been amazing years. And I know I've shared with you guys a time or two or five uh, about just what Jack and Carol have meant to me. But I just think that this morning, one, once again, you know, the uh, as Jack already pointed out, you know, he was serving as uh, the youth pastor and I was coming alongside as every way I knew how. He taught me how to win the lost. He taught me how to share the gospel. He taught me how to, to get into places <laughs> that you're wondering how you got into after you got there. And um, just taught me how to be obedient, just to be real honest. And, uh, you know, we did a lot of ministry. And I could just say in many ways, you know, not only Pastor Messer, but Pastor Jack and Carol launched me in many, many things. And, uh, you know, we've been, Dana and I have been married for 43 years. So we've been watching, uh, we've been watching y'all's life. And, I mean, I don't know if it, it's right for me to say this, but we're really proud of you guys. It's right. But, I mean, I don't want to say that in, in any type of a wrong way. We're proud of you guys. Proud to be your friends. Proud to be a part of what God's doing. And every time I look at this church and see what this church, I mean, this, this arm of the church is doing, it just does my heart good because God is the author and the finisher and he started to work a long time ago and he is going to finish it. While I was sitting there this morning, um, I just felt like the Lord gave me a, just a, a word, a quick word and that word for the church is don't lose heart. Don't lose heart. You know, it's been, a, it's been a season. And, you know, even at home, I get tired of calling attention to the season past. And I'm not calling attention to it in, you know, with all the stuff that happened. But I'm just saying, where we are today, you know, we've come through. And we're moving forward. And we've got to get our breath. We've got to allow our heart to be encouraged. And, and the thing is, don't lose heart. Because if we don't lose heart and keep doing good, God will do things that we can't even imagine, that we can't even imagine. So I, I say that to the whole house, but I believe that for spe specifically, there's some folks here that maybe you've been struggling with. I, I don't know. I was talking to Rob briefly this morning, and um, I just said, you know, it's like things are so different in, in a lot of ways, different in the way that, uh, you know, just the way we do things uh, to a degree like we're the same. We don't, we, we don't pass an offering, you know, a bag or anything anymore. And it's all good because the people said, we're going to give anyway. We're going to give anyway. Uh, you know, we have gotten back to obviously praying for people. We get them up front. We lay hands on them and pray for them. But the thing is, is things are different. And I, I told, I told uh, Rob, I said, you know, it's like, you know, we, we get a little older. We, we change clothes. How we get where we're going might be different. We have to drive a different car. Maybe we have different clothes. Maybe we take a different route. But when we get there, we're doing the same thing. We're the same people with the same call, with the same uh, calling of God on our life. He's, he's not said, oh, well, that was really hard. Let's go to plan B. Same plan. Same plan. And this morning, you know, being Mission Sunday, uh, you know, I, I was thinking through just some thoughts about the Holy Spirit. You know, for us, uh, for the church, uh, for me personally, obviously, for the church, I believe that, that missions begins with the Holy Spirit. 
I believe the Holy Spirit is the, is the one that, that really causes us to feel the heart of God, causes us to, to understand where he's at. Let me just read a few verses this morning. And this is Acts, uh, familiar. I've got a lot of verses, but I'm going to read through them and just kind of move forward. I want to build a little bit of a, of a platform here. Acts chapter 1, verses uh, 4 through 8. New Living Translation. Once when he was eating with them, talking about Jesus, this is after the resurrection. It says, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. As I told you before, John baptized with water, but in just a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So the apostles were with Jesus and they kept asking him, Lord, when is the time going to come for you to free Israel and to restore our kingdom? And they were asking the absolute wrong question. Lord, when is this going to be over? Lord, when is this going to get right? Lord, when is this? And Jesus was not concerned about that. He was concerned about, look, I want you to understand, I'm getting ready to do something in you that's going to change the world. I would love for God to change the world around me so things would just be so much more comfortable for me. But God's more interested in changing his church and empowering his church so that we can be his voice, his mouthpiece, his hands, his feet. And so they're asking, you know, well, when is the time going to come? Verse 70, and he replied, Jesus replied, the Father alone has, has the authority to set those dates and times, but they're not for you to know. So Jesus continues talking about the power that they're going to receive when the Holy Spirit uh, comes on them. It's going to be poured out. Verse 80 says, but you will receive power. A lot of people think this is a scripture for the Pentecostal churches. It's a, it's a scripture. It's a promise for the church. And I know there's people that, that, that shy away from the power of God because they've seen things they, that they don't understand or things that weirded them out or I don't know. And me too. But the truth is, for me personally, the day I got baptized with the Holy Spirit, I'd been saved for one year. The day I got filled and baptized with the Holy Spirit, God put power in my life to stop doing certain things that I couldn't stop doing. To start doing certain things that I couldn't keep doing. I knew God wanted me to live a certain way, but I couldn't do that prior to. And when I receive that, so when he says here, you're going to receive power, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. After saying this, he was taken up into a cloud and while they were watching, could no longer see him. As they strained to see him rising into heaven, two white robed men suddenly stood among them. Men of Galilee, they said, oh, 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 who's that? And they said, why are you standing here staring into heaven? Uh, Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. In other words, get busy. That's what he was saying. They were saying, why are you standing here kind of pondering? Do you, can you still see him? Or when's he going to come back? They wanted to know about when things are going to get changed. And God was wanting to put power inside of them to cause change, to implement change. I want you to know today, if you've been filled with the Holy Spirit, you need to be filled continually. You need to be allowing the Spirit of God. And the thing is, it's not something we did. It's something we do. It's not something we had. It's something we have. We are to be filled. Why? Because the whole reason is to empower, empower us to be his witnesses, to be those people that share this hope, this message of life. So in John 13, let me just, I'm going to pass through a few verses here quickly. Looking back, so Jesus is telling them, go and wait for the promise of the Holy Spirit. And of course, we know the Holy Spirit is eventually uh, poured out. 
But back in John 13, they're sitting at the table, uh, you know, right before the Passover feast. And they're, they're sitting there talking, and Jesus gets up and he washes his disciples' feet. Uh, and uh, he says, Jesus washed his disciples' feet as... Uh, at, I'm sorry, this is not the verse, this is my thought here, uh, that they might, he might teach them uh, to think that there's nothing beneath them. There's nothing beneath you. You know, he's the master. He's the one that opens blind eyes. He's the one that created all things. And he's going out and he's kneeling down, wrapping a, a towel around him and washing their feet. What was he trying to tell them? Your feet are dirty. No. He was trying to show them, look, you're going to be asked to do some things that maybe you think are beneath you. But the truth of the matter is, when I empower you, because he's, he's building a case here. He's talking through here in John uh, 13 and then 14, 15, 16, 17. He's going through and he's laying out a plan. He's letting them know. He's getting ready to drop them the bomb. What's the bomb? I'll tell you just a second. He's getting ready to drop the bomb on them. And so there's nothing beneath us. The devil was already working in Judas. Jesus predicts his betrayal, but he's already working there. Uh, Jesus predicts uh, Peter's denial. Jesus uh, speaks of his departure, and they're going, what? You're going where? Well, I don't like this plan. You ever been there? Things are going well. You're seeing progress. You're feeling like this is great. And then somebody says, well, I kind of think that I'm going to be heading on home. It's like, what are you talking about? Jesus begins to talk to them about his departure. He's going to be going away. In John chapter 13, uh, 34 and 35, a new commandment I give you, love one another as I have loved you. You must also love one another. By this, we sung about it this morning. By this, uh, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. I'm going to be honest with you. It's a challenge to love people that are easy to love sometimes. But loving people that are not easy to love, I got to have the power of God, man. I need the power of God. And, and the thing is, it's not something in, inside of me that is like, uh, I just don't want to love them. There, it is, but it's not like that. It's just there's a resistance. And I'm going to tell you now that the, the, the Holy Spirit, and we'll get to that in just a second. I don't know if I, I'm not sure how far I'm going to get this morning. I'm going to try to complete a thought here, and then we'll, we'll go forward to, to, tonight probably with the rest of it. But the thing is, is God's getting ready. The Lord's getting ready to tell them, I'm going to put something inside of you that's going to change all this. Peter, you're going to deny me. Lay, just hang, hang on, Peter. Hang on, Peter. I'm going to empower you. Uh, Judas is going to deny me. Judas resisted the power and the love and the forgiveness and the mercy of God. He went on his own way. But the thing is, is here they are. He's talking about his departure. And he says, I'm going to, a new commandment I'm giving you. So just uh, looking back up now into the upper room, the next chapter, looking to the upper room, John 14, Jesus and his disciples have just finished with the final Passover meal. And uh, Jesus is giving them his final teaching. He's talking to them about the final stuff. Now, what do we do when we get ready to go on a long trip? You, you get your team together, you get your people together, you get your family together, and you tell them everything that you need them to remember, everything you need them to know. Well, Jesus is pulling these guys together, and he's telling them, look, I'm going to go. I, it's, it's, I'm going to move. I'm going to be going away. So this is his final time, his final uh, teaching with them. And so in John chapter, chapter 17, uh, he prays to the Father, and then immediately 
they cross over the, the book, Brook Kidron and went into the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus was betrayed, arrested, and then crucified. Jesus knew his time was at hand. But the disciples, I'm sure, were probably a lot like us in many, many ways, that they're thinking, what are we going to do now? What are we going to do now? They, they, it was hard for them to grasp the fact that God was, was promoting them to a place where the power of God would live inside of them. There's not a person in this room, not one person in this room that doesn't qualify for the mercy of God and the power of God in your life. Not one. There's not a person watching online that doesn't, that God would say, nope, this is not for you. God wants to fill every single person with his love, with his forgiveness, to cover them with forgiveness and pour power into their lives. So here they are, at, and we're going to, let me look, let me jump in here. So the, the, the main theme that's woven through the three vert chapters there, which I'm not going to read all those, 14, 15, and 16, I'll pull a few thoughts out, is uh, that Jesus is, uh, Jesus is leaving and the Holy Spirit is coming, okay? He tells them. He knew that the coming of the Holy Spirit would change their lives. He knew that. He wasn't saying, look, I'm, gonna, uh, I'm, I'm a little tired of this gig. What I'm going to do, I'm going to send somebody else to kind of take my place. He was sending his Holy Spirit to them so that they could be, they, see, they followed Jesus, and that was wonderful. That was great. I'm, I get it. I would do that too, and I'm talking about physically. But the thing is, is when Jesus leaves, what are they going to do? Well, Jesus is coming, the Spirit of God is coming to live inside of them. I know this is nothing that everybody, that probably most everyone's not heard. But the thing is, is let's reflect back. Why did he give us the Holy Spirit? To give us a denominational affiliation, right? He gave us the Holy Spirit to empower us to do what he calls us to do, what he's called us to do, what he's called us to do. John 16, verse 7, nevertheless, he says, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. <laughs> My wife told me that one time. She says, it is to your advantage that you go away right now. <laughs> but Jesus, is, and so let me finish that verse. He says, for if I do not go away, the Holy Spirit, uh, the helper, the, the, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. I can't even imagine what they were thinking. I can't even imagine what was going on in their mind. You, you, you're, what? You're, 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 Jesus and the Holy, Jesus, the Holy Spirit. Jesus, the Holy, which one do you think would, I, I like Jesus. I think, I know Jesus. I like what he does. But he wants to send the Holy Spirit. Jesus, the Holy Spirit. They knew Jesus, but the Holy Spirit was not, was not, they didn't understand or know the Holy Spirit like they knew Jesus, or they didn't realize he was the same person, really. He was the same person. And so he says to them, it's to your advantage. Everybody say advantage. advantage. You know, you go, to, you go buy a car, you go buy a house, you go buy a stereo system, whatever, and they'll tell you all the advantages, all the things, oh, this is much better. You can buy that one, that's good, but if you get this one, you get this extra thing, or if you get this car, you, hey, listen, that's the, the stripped-down model, you can get this. Jesus said it's, your, it's to your advantage. So to have the Holy Spirit, he's telling them, it's more advantageous to you personally than if I stay right here with you. More advantageous. Not that he's better, but that, because he's going to live inside. Now, this is missions 
This is a mission-driven church. Why am I talking about this? Because this is not for in the house only, uh, being in the house and, and feeling the, the, the thing that we feel, and I'm not knocking any of that. I love to feel the presence of God. But it's to empower. It was all about power. Because like I said a minute ago, he's talking to Peter. Now, Peter, you're, you're going to deny me, but I'm going to give you some power that that isn't going to have a handle on your life. He was talking to them about what was going on, but he was telling them this is what is going to happen. He says, but if I don't go away, the Holy Spirit cannot come. So let me just take a couple of minutes this morning and talk to you about a few of these benefits, these advantages of the Holy Spirit. Because the whole, listen, there, we, we may not all have the same personality, but we can all have the same Holy Spirit. We may not all, uh, you know, act out the same way, or uh, maybe that's not the right way to say it here, but uh, just uh, to, to talk to people or to do what we do. Maybe some people are quiet. Maybe some people are a little more loud, a little more over the top. But the thing is, the Holy Spirit empowers us that however we do what it is that we do, sharing Christ, that's the power that causes us to be effective. It causes us to be effective. So John chapter 14, verse 16 and 17 this is the first one I just want to point out. There's lots. But this is, these are a few in, the, in these uh, chapters here that, that he was pointing out here. He was laying out. He says, I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him or know, nor knows him. But, it, but you know him for he dwells with you and will be with you. Advantage number one, you don't have to run down to the church house to find God. You don't have to go over there, go over there. You don't have to go to, to Mecca. You don't have to go to somewhere up in, the, uh, up in the, the mountains there, northeast India, to find God. He's going to live inside of us. Advantage, boom. That's an advantage. He's with us. He's with us. Somebody says to you sometimes, somebody says to me sometimes, where do I find God? I tell them, we'll find a Christian. Well, here I am. I'm not God, but I have God in me. We are taking the presence of God wherever we go. And the thing is, is if we allow that power that he pours into our lives to work through us, and I know there's people sitting here saying, well, you're a preacher. I'm not a preacher. Thank God everybody's not preachers. Honestly. <laughs> Honestly. And not because I'm against preachers. I love preachers. <laughs> but the, the truth of the matter is, is we don't have to be, look, I, I, let me just back out here a second. It's a bit of a challenge, and I'll say this. It's been a challenge. That's the right word. Standing in the shadow of Jack Haynes, and I'm not saying he's ever put me there, but standing in the place to, 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 to have Jack as your youth pastor, to watch him preach every Sunday night and on every Sunday night for years, and Wednesdays and whenever a pastor happened to be gone, it's like, you know what? I want to be like Jack. That was my heart. And the thing is, it was an inspiration. It wasn't like a, oh, you can't. But the thing is, I think in a lot of respects for us, you know, maybe we look at others and we I can't do it like them. I can't do it like them. Advantage, Holy Spirit. He will take you, your personality, your character, your, your, your pers personal thought process, and he'll use that to reach your friends. There's some people... That, will that I can never reach, that Pastor Jack, Carol, that the leadership can never reach, but you can. You can, and the reason you can is because 
as we receive the Holy Spirit, as we receive the infilling of the Holy Spirit, and we stay full, not we, oh, I did that back in 1973. Yeah, it was October 1973. That's when I got filled with the Holy Spirit. But then it was again, you know, in November, in December, in January. And I can tell you that, you know, it's been kind of an up and down thing with me trying to understand, is this something I have to continually do? It's something I continually get to do, to be filled fresh, to be filled. You know, it's like I don't, I don't, I don't really want to, you know, uh, think that it's something that happened then. It's something that happens now. His presence, the Holy Spirit's presence comes inside of me. He says that he, it says that he will be with you forever. That's what he was saying. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. He's going to be with you forever. Forever. That's the advantage. That's the advantage. You know, the, the, a lot of people don't understand that. You know, back in the Old Testament, they had to go into the temple. They had to go into the temple, go into the, you know, as close as they could come, and then a priest would go in and do the business for them, take their offering or whatever. But when Jesus was crucified, when Jesus died on the cross and everything, uh, a big pair of hands reached up and ripped that curtain in half. And it wasn't like it was keeping, though. It was keeping God pinned inside of there. God could come and go as he pleased, but he was letting them know, you don't have to come back here. Wow, somebody ripped the, 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 the temple curtain. What are we going to do? God's on the loose. God's on the loose. Truthfully, God is on the loose. And he is working inside of us, the church. He's empowering us to do what he's called us to do. Thank you, Lord. The Holy Spirit comes in and recreates us. We become new creations. Uh, Jesus called it being born again. We know that. But let's don't think it's something that happened a long time ago. This is something, this is where we live. We live at the well, continually being filled. Filled for what? So that I can just be happy? So that I can be satisfied? No, so that I can, God tells us all. He speaks to every single one of us about certain things. Family members, coworkers, neighbors. And, and it's like we look at them and, man, I've got them. I've got all those. <laughs> and I wonder sometimes, how in the world can I even talk to these folks? How can, I, how can I open the door? How can I get in there? And if I take the time and I ask the Lord about that situation, he speaks to me. And he begins, begins giving me creative ideas how to do that. And the truth is, it doesn't have to be a Billy Graham, you know, crusade that we put on for our neighbors. It's a relationship it's a something that God puts us, puts inside of us, his spirit. He puts his spirit inside of us, and then he, he leads us and guides us. Do you realize that now you are the temple of the Holy Spirit? You are the temple of God. The God lives inside of you. Think about that a second. You're not coming to church. You are the church. And when we get together, the spirit of God in you and the spirit of God in me and in all of us, when we, when we yield and, and we begin to worship God. It's something amazing. But you know, the devil knows that better than we do. And so what he tries to do is discourage and, and cause us to become uh, just twisted in our thinking. Well, if you only knew what I did, if you only knew what I didn't do, that I should have done, why would God want to live inside of me? He chose that and he's not moving out. Don't evict him. Don't evict him. Jesus said, hey, if I don't go, the Holy Spirit doesn't come. 
So it's to your advantage. I'd say that's quite an advantage. The, the second advantage, the second thought, is that he teaches us and brings back things to our remembrance. He reminds us, this is John chapter 14, verse 26. He says, but the Holy, the Holy Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all the things and bring to your remembrance all the things that I said to you. You know, my, my iPhone syncs with my iPad and my, I, my, uh, my, my MacBook and whatever, just syncs. And so, you know, if I work on something on my computer and I open up my MacBook and I, or my iPad and I go to my whatever, I can access it. I can access stuff on my phone. It syncs. Well, I want you to know, God syncs, the Holy Spirit syncs us to God in ways that we don't even realize, we don't even understand. But you see, sometimes, I've been with people, and, and I've, I've, they're telling them about some stuff that maybe I'm working on or whatever, and they, I say, well, here, let me look. And I'll pull my phone out, and they'll go, what are you doing? I say, well, I'm going to show you. I say, you've been working on that? Oh, no, I've been working on it on my computer, but I can show you here. You can access, you can access the things of God like never before. Now, here's the thing. He brings back to your remembrance. He doesn't remind you of things that you never knew. Yeah. Or he can't. He can't. It's not a reminder. It's something new. And so, so my point is this. If he's going to bring back to our remembrance, we need to be eating yeah. and eating and eating and hearing messages. And, you know, even sitting in, in services like this, hearing messages, God will give you a thought. You write that thought down. And you're thinking, oh, what do I do? I got a stack of them this big. It doesn't matter. I can look through notes that I have taken five years ago, ten years ago, look through my journals and read things, and it comes back to me. I remember the moment. I remember what it was. And why is that? Because I have an amazing memory. No. The Holy Spirit brings back to our remembrance but we have to invest in ourselves and the Holy Spirit brings it back. He brings it back to us. The Holy Spirit does teach us, absolutely, but he teaches us through others. Uh, that's why we come to church. That's why we study. That's why we center teaching. Uh, he teaches us individually. But like I said a second ago, he's not going to bring back something to your remembrance. You ever had somebody say, hey, remember that time when we blah, blah, blah? And going, no. No, no, yeah, yeah, you remember. And after you talk a while, oh, you weren't there. <laughs> That's right, you weren't there. How could I remember that? I wasn't there. I want you to know, God will bring back specific words. Like this morning, whoever that word was for this morning, don't lose heart. You got to write that down. Don't lose heart. And maybe whatever you're fighting through, don't lose heart because blah, 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 God is faithful. Whatever it is, write it down. And if you, as you write it down, and you're going to remember, you're going to look back in and, and days from now, and you're going to find God uh, uh, saying, hey, remember that really heavy time you were going through? Oh, Lord, I do. Remember what I told you? I spoke to you about not being, uh, losing heart, yeah? Oh, I remember, Lord. I remember. I'd say that that is another huge huge advantage that he brings back to our remembrance. My wife would like me to operate in that a little better, you know, because I don't remember a lot of things. I go to the store. You know how it is. You go to the store. She says, I need you to get some, pick up some bread, some milk, some whatever. And I go to the store. I come back with Oreos and Cheetos and whatever. And, and I get up to the, she'll say, where's the bread? And I go, what bread? Because <laughs> I forget. Well, Holy Spirit's probably not going to remind me about bread altogether. But nevertheless, let me hit the last one quickly here for this morning. Uh, John chapter 14, verse 27. He gives us his peace. Not just peace. His peace. The peace of God. Man, can you imagine what the peace of God 
is compared to the peace of the world. The peace that you find in the world is like, let's just kind of bring the volume down. Let's just kind of get away and just kind of lay down. And say, like, yeah, that's good. You a little bit of peace. Get away from the crying babies. Get away from the job. Get away. Oh, that's good. But the peace of God comes inside of us and causes us to be renewed and refreshed in the midst of whatever's going on. Whatever's going on. This, this word peace can be used as a greeting or a farewell. It can be either way, shalom. Uh, that's the, that's, that's the, 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 the Hebrew way of saying it. But when Jesus was, was getting ready to tell the disciples he was going away, you know, he was, he was telling them this. You can look through the scripture, shalom. I'm going to be leaving you. I leave you my peace. I'm leaving you my peace. I'm getting ready to go. And then when he shows up after the resurrection, what does he say? The first thing, shalom, brings the peace of God. So there's people in this room that don't even understand the peace of God. You just know how to turn the volume down sometimes. And the way we do that a lot of times is we pull away. And God doesn't want us to pull away. He wants us to press in to him. Press in to him. And so he brings us peace when we first come to him, when we get more born again. Romans chapter 15, verse 13. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And one last verse I want to point out, and then we'll, I'll be, we'll finish this morning. This is Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7. Be anxious for nothing. I don't know about you, but I was really, really anxious for the last two years to be over. Can't wait till this is done. And eventually I did settle in there and realize that God was doing something in us. God was. This it wasn't... You know, we can be in the midst of a difficult thing, but God was doing something inside of us. He says, be anxious for nothing. Not your marriage. These are my thoughts. Don't be anxious about your kids. Care about them. Love them. Pray for them. Don't be anxious about your job. Don't be anxious about the economy, world affairs. Don't be anxious. Don't be, you know, fretting and worrying all the time. But in everything, by prayer and supplication and thanksgiving, let your requests be known unto God. And I love this. And the peace... Of God, which surpasses our understanding. It's beyond your thoughts. You can be in a situation where you're thinking, uh, you know, I don't know what's going to happen. I'm worried about this. I'm concerned about that. The peace of God that passes understanding will guard your heart. That's an advantage of the Holy Spirit. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He brings peace. Now, this morning, I remember Sister Messer a long time ago. She made a comment. We were sitting in a staff meeting, and uh, she just she thought, saw things differently than, than a lot of the rest of us. I mean, and that, I was grateful for that because she helped us to see from a different perspective that maybe we had. And she said one day, she said, if, if there's no church, there's no missions. And if the devil, if the enemy can beat us down and cause us to be so di in disarray and so discouraged and no peace, I can't remember what the vision was. I can't remember. I don't know. I don't know. I just can't remember. Then you know what? She said, she said this way. She said, if there's no church, there's no missions. God empowered us with the Holy Spirit for the task. And the thing is, is the church at home is just as important as the church abroad. The church here, your home, the, the church in your home is just as important as the church in the homes in, in India or in China or wherever it is that we're, we're reaching into. 
It's just important. But you see, if I become in disarray, if I feel powerless, then you know what I'll do? I'll give up. But God's building a church. He's pouring out, he's poured out his power, but he wants to do it again and again and again. He wants us to know how to get to that, back to that place and to open ourselves up to let God fill us fresh. Fill me fresh, Lord. Fill me fresh. And then I yield and I give in and I allow him to fill me up. And I just, the Bible tells us in Jude 20, build yourselves up in your most holy faith. Praying in the Holy Spirit. I know some people don't like that. But you know, since 1973, I've been praying in the Holy Spirit. I prayed in the Holy Spirit a lot over the last two years. Simply because I felt depleted. I felt like there was things that was just, I was running on fumes. So this morning, I want to take a minute and I want to pray. I want to pray for you. I want to pray for the church. Pray for the house. I want to pray for us that we would allow God to pour out fresh into our lives. And this is, you know, we're going to be finished here in just a minute. So let me take a second and pray and then I'm going to hand it back. So if you just kind of open your heart and let me pray. Father, I thank you for this church. I thank you, Lord, that you're pouring in life. You're pouring in strength. You're pouring in grace and power. You're pouring in that, that desire, Lord, to be who you've called us to be. Lord, that we're empowered by your Holy Spirit to be witnesses, to, 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 to speak as you speak, to lay hands on people, to pray for people, to shake off the heaviness, the tiredness, the weariness, and Lord, to get up and to move forward. I thank you, Lord, that today we wouldn't leave this place without allowing that peace that passes understanding to saturate us. Just receive that this morning. Let God pour that in. Holy Spirit, pour that in. Pour it in. Just breathe it in. Breathe it in this morning. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We receive now. We receive it now, Lord. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name.